Thanks for joining us today on the nateholdridge.com podcast. Today, we're directing the conversation towards dads and really looking at how a dad can learn how to become a better dad by viewing himself as a son in the family of God. What a dad can learn from God our Father. To be a man, a husband, or a father is to continually run up against your own limitations. By the very nature of these callings and relationships, you will be tested and stretched beyond your current capabilities. Fortunately, we serve and know a God of wonderful grace and mercy. He lovingly and gently restores us and helps us grow to become the men we long to be. Allow this loving God to have as much access into your life as possible. By the blood of Jesus, you are his son. He will continually prove his faithfulness to you, helping you become stronger than ever before, the father you've dreamed you could be for your children and family. All right, dad time. Dad time. (laughs) I love this. This article was actually excerpted from one of your books that you actually wrote, right? Yep, Dear New Dad. Just a little teeny little book because that's all new dads (laughs) have time to read. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, I wrote that. Plug. I wrote that little thing, you know, just kind of like thinking, man, you know, when you're a new father, you're just trying to figure some things out. So I just wanted yeah. to give like a a real quick crash course on, hey, man, here's some things you th- you should think about as you're getting this family going and yeah. started as a dad. I mean, probably like the mom, the wife, she'll be reading like, you know. 500 page books on like <laughs> the pregnancy and the childhood yeah she'll be very informed but i think the i think it was like 50 pages or something the book i wrote so i think those 50 pages hopefully that'll help the it's brothers thin. out yeah it's thin it's nice yeah i remember uh right as you were writing that book i think you said something to the effect of there's a lot of pregnant people here at our church a lot of women who are expecting babies and somebody did that to them. <laughs> somebody did that. <laughs> There's a man who was involved in that he process. He is responsible. <laughs> I love yep. it. But there's just this heart to pastor the dads. Purchase on Amazon. What, did I say that? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> oh. <laughs> There'll be a link in the show notes for the book. <laughs> Check that afterwards. <laughs> but this whole conversation is just geared towards dads. And the interesting thing about this excerpt in particular is just about dads actually being sons to a father and that Mm -hmm. father being God. And, you know, as we jump into this conversation, um, I think I was just kind of thinking about dads and there maybe are some dads who are listening to this who are maybe new to the Christian faith, maybe new to the idea that God is like our heavenly father Mm -hmm. and that we are sons, we are children in the family of God. Mm -hmm. So Nate, I was wondering if you might be down just for a second just to kind of talk through just that dynamic a little bit. I know it's a huge topic, but mm-hmm. maybe just thinking through uh, just how we are children of God. Oh, yeah. How he is our father. Absolutely. It's one of mm-hmm. my favorite subjects ever. Yes. Yeah, because this is the gospel, you know, that yeah. we have been redeemed. We've been bought out of slavery. And and the whole thing, And there, there's some people, just kind of interestingly, there are some people that think that the center thought of the whole Old Testament is found in Exodus when... God 
is speaking to Moses and he's mm. explaining to Moses that he is going to take the people of Israel and he's trying to build a, a nation of priests. Mm-hmm. And you kind of see that kind of theme over and over again, that like God created everything and then there was right. the Garden of Eden and it was hangout time with God. You know, he was the father. These are his children, Adam yeah. and Eve. And there's fellowship, friendship, walking and talking with God. And then obviously sin broke that apart. Mm-hmm. It obliterated that. And so the faith in Christ, uh, whether it was, you know, faith in what Christ would do in the future and right. whatever revelation, you know, that Abraham and the patriarchs and Moses and others had, or looking back to the cross, we have faith in what Christ has done, that he substituted himself so that when we believe in him, we're forgiven of our sin, enabling God to uh, re-engage in that relational, fatherly dynamic that we lost in the Garden of Eden. So obviously, you know, here we are still on earth, and the father-son, father-child dynamic is present if we're in Christ, but not yet perfect if we're in right. Christ. You know, we're looking forward to that day when we we see him as he sees us. There's like clarity. All the stuff of the flesh and the world is like yeah. done away with, and we're just in the pure, you know, relationship with the Lord, including being able to break through all the baggage that we might have because of our fathers or lack of fathers here on earth, you know, that sometimes we bring into our relationship with our father in heaven. But that's like God's whole plan. You know, he has wanted to make a way for us to be restored uh, into fellowship with him. And part of the reason why I wrote that chapter in in, uh, this little book was just really having the conviction that if we're going to be good fathers, we have to be fathered well by our father in heaven. If we're going to know how to treat our children, we have to... um, be children before God and witness how and experience how he is parenting and fathering us when it comes to discipline and truth telling and, you know, things like that. So uh, I think in a sense, it just simply means a relational uh, dynamic with God, like a father with a child or a child mm-hmm. with a father. Um, in this article, Nate, or I guess really technically from your book, but in this article, you talk about uh, really four different things that kind of nurture or kind of like help us go into this relationship with God in just kind of a deeper way. The first thing you talk about is uh, just scripture and getting to know God through scripture. Um, how does a father get to know God really just through that? Yeah, well, the word is exposing you to your father's heart and yeah, how he feels about things, the way that he sees the world, which obviously is accurate. Yeah. Um, and, you know, enables you to sense, you know, his perspective, uh, the truth about yourself, what he says about you. I mean, you could close your eyes and just kind of, you know, be alone with your thoughts and uh, but they that that would just have nothing in comparison to right. opening up the bible and seeing what the word of god actually says so part of what i'm encouraging guys to do is hey you know your uh, god is your father if you're covered by the blood of christ so try to develop becoming a man 
who appreciates the Bible. You know, mm, I was with a, a little group of people who want to try to learn some of the basics of like preparing a Bible study the mm-hmm. other day. You know, and one of the questions that I like to ask is, uh, have you read through the whole Bible? And how many times, if so, have you read through the whole Bible? Uh, because this is God's word, you know, yeah. and to, um, you won't understand it perfectly. Um, we're growing in our understanding of God's word, but to, you know, move through it systematically in your mm-hmm. life and have that be a regular part of your life. I think that this really helps dads because um, you are going to have a million opportunities to speak into the lives of your children. Mm-hmm. Are you giving God an opportunity to speak into your life. Right. And this is not just a one-way thing where you speak into the lives of your kids, but God the Father doesn't have an opportunity to speak into your life. No, you want to mm-hmm. open up the Bible systematically and regularly and let the Father in heaven speak into your life and into your heart. Your family really needs this because there's great safety in it. You know, I think we've talked True. about it before, but yeah. you know, Christina at least I, she's told me at least that she feels very safe with me in large part because she knows that that's a systematic regular part of my life and that uh, she's seen so many times where I have allowed uh, I've stood corrected basically mm-hmm. as yeah. a result of that time you know and found like a wow. verse or a passage a story you know in scripture that stood out to me that I thought man you know I'm kind of kind of busted here. And I think a lot of times people, yeah. I, I, my opinion is that a lot of times people will hide behind uh, the complexity of the Bible, saying mm-hmm. that it's too complex for me to understand. And I just don't think that's true. Yeah. I, w- I mean, I remember reading the Bible when I was 12 years old, and there was plenty of things that I didn't understand. But you focus on that which you do understand. And there's plenty that you can learn. And we live in this information age. I mean, my friend David Guzik has a beautiful commentary on nearly the entire Bible. And we have all these beautiful study Bibles. Mm -hmm. I don't think it's impossible for us to, or as hard for us to come to an understanding as we might think. And it might not be this electric, you know, kind of time. It's not obviously not written uh, in the same kind of way as you know other just human books are written it's not for our entertainment you know so don't Mm -hmm. expect the same experience that you'd have if you sat down and read harry potter or something like that you know you sit down and you go okay this is god's word there's something to study here something to learn here something to ingest here and uh, you know if you've never done that before i think uh you know people will ask me like how 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 to read the bible how do you do it you know what, what should i do I just tell people, you know, I think it's a good idea to have a bookmark in the Old Testament and a bookmark mm-hmm. in the New Testament. I like to just tell people to start in Genesis and Matthew. I know other people say other things, and that's fine, too, just as long as you're reading right. the Bible. But uh, start in Genesis and Matthew. If you read three chapters in the Old and one in the New every day, you're going to read through the Bible in a year. Not that that is a requirement. It doesn't right. say There's no verse that says read the Bible in a year. <laughs> might take you two years, three yeah. years. might take you half a year. But to be moving forward. And then for me, what I what I like to do is just I, I don't take like massive detailed notes as I'm just personally reading through it. That's not sermon preparation time for me at all. It's just little verses or words or thoughts, you know, that mm. oh, look at that. You know, there's that thing. And 
want to, you know, kind of grow in that. I mean, like just this morning I was reading in uh, Exodus and it was just kind of my like go through it real fast kind of reading. Yeah, yeah. Because um, usually I'll have, I'll have one book of the Bible that I'm reading through really quickly and then another that I just really slow down in. So I was reading through Exodus quickly at this point. And I came across that little part about the Bezalel and Holiab guys who mm-hmm. they were the gifted artists who built yeah. the uh, tabernacle after Moses got the directions for it. And I was just thinking about our church and one uh, Pastor Brenton here who's a great worship leader and, you know, responsible for a lot of the artistic, you know, creative yeah. stuff in the church. And I just compliment, I just sent him a text message, you know, to compliment him for um, his not only artistic gifts, but like the hard work ethic that oh, goes yeah. along with that. Mm. And, you know, that just came out of just, oh, there's a verse. How would I respond mm. to that? You know, right now, I want to thank somebody who's like that. It's yeah. not that complicated. It's totally. just pretty, you know, pretty simple. So mm. I think, you know, we can't have excuses for not being Bible people, in this, especially in this day and age, I don't think. In addition to that, you talk about prayer. So kind of on the other side from may not necessarily reading scripture, but maybe response to scripture, talking to God. For a father, why is that important? Well, I think on one hand, because once you you start having kids, Mm -hmm. you now have a major new element to pray about and for. (laughs) Another life. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So you're praying for the children themselves and... Um, you know, their future. I'm a father of three daughters, so I, mm. I don't know how many times, uh, not as much as I should, but I don't know how many times I've just prayed like, oh, Lord, please, like their future husband, if they get married, <laughs> please, Lord, good guys, yeah. love you, protect them even right now, mm. defend them even right now, yeah. open their eyes to know who you are. Of course, praying the same thing for my girls, you know, that the eyes of their understanding would be open, that they'd see the glory of Christ, you know, that they'd fall in love with him because I know that's going to be a process in their own lives and hearts. I can't force them to love the Lord. You know, I just have to teach them about him and model what the Christian life looks like and answer their questions and help them as they, you know, go through that in their own lives and hearts. And so, you're, you know, you're praying for that aspect. Yeah. And then there's like all the, you know, um, provisional kind of stuff that you Mm. pray through as a dad when you have responsibility for more than just yourself and that you now have a wife you have some children it's like you're really pleading with god for your daily bread you know Mm. give us this day our our daily bread and uh, so lifting that up you know as well so you know I, i i think for me like it it's definitely possible for my prayer time to just kind of be like a almost like a brainstorming session. Right. So I have to really watch out for that. Yeah. You know that I'm not just um, kind of thinking about life, mm-hmm. but that I'm actually taking these burdens to my Father in heaven, and that I'm crying out to Him about those things. You know, mm-hmm. and kind of praying through them, asking for His help and His grace uh, in them. So scripture reading, prayer. Getting to know God, making yourself vulnerable before God in those kind of ways. And then you talk about church. Can you tell us why why is church important for a dad and for a family? Well, I mean, I mentioned earlier the um, you know, the idea of personally being in the Bible and right. that, you know, your father in heaven will speak to you, you know, and things like that. 
but sometimes you know honestly uh we won't we don't listen mm-hmm. and so you do need to have a church you know partly for you to be able to operate in your gifts and your callings and what the lord wants to do through your life partly to model you know submission to your church leadership you know this is a new testament imperative that's given to us we're to follow and emulate you know our leaders to come under them so i think that you know it's really important for us to you know be in a church community partly so that we can be use our gifts so that we can you know uh submit to uh you know the word of god and that kind Mm -hmm. of setting and be engaged in our church but also just you know the church is just awesome for where you can develop all those different relationships right. that are going to be so helpful. You know, I, I think about my kids and, uh, you know, I mean, obviously as a, as a pastor of a church, I'm never going to be even able to be, nor would I ever want to be one of those parents who just goes to whatever church makes their kids happy, right, which is right. kind of a way that a lot of people choose what church they're going to go to. Mm. But, uh, for me, um, uh, so many of the people that are helping me raise my children hmm. come from the church. Wow. Yeah. You know, especially as they grow older, you know, they need other models in their lives, you know. So I think about like our youth ministry here in the church, you know, and the people that are helping in that ministry, you know, it's mm-hmm. like they're modeling, you know, a, what a godly men look like and what godly women look like, right. you know, and yeah. hopefully and prayerfully Christina and I are doing that, you know, in the home. But we're not the only, you know, definition of what that looks like. Mm-hmm. So it's good for our kids to be able to see what that's like. Then another huge thing, honestly, is as you serve in your church, you are showing your kids how to be a part of something that is bigger than themselves. Right. And parents in this generation, um, I think sometimes we do our kids a disservice by making them feel like there really isn't anything bigger than themselves. Mm -hmm. They are a huge deal. They are the big deal. And what uh, I've read a lot of studies that are showing this, read books about this. It seems like what's happening to kids in this generation is that they're growing up with this immense pressure upon themselves because they don't feel small. They feel big. They feel (laughs) like they are a big deal. And then they go off to college and they realize, I'm not as big of a deal as as everybody mm-hmm. said I was. There's all these other people that are really talented. I'm not necessarily going to be like the superstar person. You know, some kids will be, but many are just going to be normal people like like their parents. Yeah, yeah. You know, and so mm-hmm. to to like be a part of the mission of the church, you know, I'm so thankful my kids are learning uh not because of me, but through Christina they're learning what it looks like to like faithfully serve uh, the church every single week, you know, just show up and bless the families of the church because they're helping in the children's ministry, you know, here now that they're getting older. And that just teaches them something really cool about how, hey, yeah, you you know, your life is is important, but there's a bigger thing going on here. There's other people, Mm -hmm. there's a mission of God, there's a message we're trying to preach, you know, and and for, for them to be able to see that is really helpful because uh, you're kind of modeling for them a lack of selfishness that right. kids really need. You know, we're born very yeah, selfish. So totally. to kind of go through the process of becoming selfless is really important. Huh. So those are just some of the reasons that the church is so vital. But, you know, I know a lot of families will kind of like, man, a baby comes. And, you know, I mean, obviously it's hard. You have a baby and, you know, it can be tough to 
uh, put them in the kids ministry or right. maybe your church doesn't have that kind of thing or um, you know it takes a few months or there's recovery or you know different things like that but don't lay low from the church for a year mm. or two years and just remove yourself from fellowship like get after it you know make the sacrifices it might hurt it might be painful uh, at times but it'll be so worth it it'll be so yeah. worth it because a lot of times you know what you and your wife are going to be going through is just uh, the reality that it's hard mm-hmm. and difficult. And when when you engage in the body of Christ, so often you're going to get the encouragement that you need, the word from the spirit that you need, not just from the pulpit. I mean, hopefully that's one way, but from other believers and older saints who have been there mm-hmm. and gone through that before you and can encourage you. So, man, don't be an island yeah. pour yourself into the body of Christ. Hopefully you've already emulated that, but if you haven't already, just go for it. And don't feel like a punk for saying like, well, you know, I really wasn't a church guy before, but now that I have kids, I'm um, being a church guy. That seems mm-hmm. hypocritical. Hey, that's the path that a lot of people take, to be honest. God, I think yeah. God uses so often marriage and then children to bring sobriety into yeah, a man's life and heart to where we kind of wake up and go, whoa, I'm responsible for people now. This is really serious. And if that's what it takes, the Lord does not care. He's there with open arms taking you in. So, you know, engage. You end this article, Nate, talking about grace. And, you know, talking about that, I think just kind of lends us to think that, or may not lends us to think, but it kind of points out, you know, that there's no perfect father, there's no perfect mother, but God is the perfect father and that he loves us and uh maybe there's somebody listening right now who um they're a father right now maybe they've messed up a bit maybe there's somebody who hasn't been in the word very much doesn't have a a very consistent prayer life or isn't taking their family to church being involved in that kind of way is there any kind of encouragement just thinking about god's grace and about just being a father that you can kind of think of to encourage them yeah, totally. I, I, what I a thing that I wrote here was that to be a man and a husband or a father is to continually run up against your own limitations. Mm, yeah, and you just feel that all the time. I mean, when you have children, you a thousand times, you know, walk away from a conversation or a decision, just feeling like, man. Stinks for them that I'm their dad, uh, you know, like mm. I'm, I'm just so limited in, in what I can do, you know, and, yeah. and same thing with, with being a husband, you oh, know, yeah. you, you just kind of go, man, I'm, I'm limited, you know, there are these things in my heart that are just hard for me to do. They're not natural to me. And, and I wish I could just, you know, turn on a switch and just become the thing yeah. that my wife needs, you know, totally. and it's hard because you, you do, you come up against your own limitations but that is part of the the beauty of what this life is about when when you give your life to christ the part of the reason that you are not immediately then just taken into god's presence and removed from this earth part of the reason for it is definitely because there's a mission here on earth that we're to engage Mm -hmm. in and sharing the love of christ but a really big part of it as well is that this is the time in our lives where we actually get to go through the process 
of mm-hmm. sanctification. Right. And we're not going to be able to do that. There's not going to be that growing kind of experience eternally. I think we're going to be learning of the Lord for all of eternity, but we're going to be glorified at yeah. that moment. You know, our our sanctification will be complete. There will be no unclean thing that we are growing past when we're in the full presence of God. Mm. So, you know, just embracing that process, you know, and just being thankful because God's mercies are new every morning. Amen. He's mm-hmm. very compassionate, full of loving kindness, and he just continually invites us back to that table with him, you know, as we fail. It says in the word that when we are faithless, he remains faithful, Amen. for he cannot deny himself. And so he's just always there, you know, he's just always there, just faithfully helping us to grow and to mature. So don't sweat it. You will not do this perfectly. Mm-hmm. You know, we will not father perfectly. We will not be husbands that are perfect. We'll not be, you know, children of God that are perfect. We just need to continue moving forward in his grace uh, as we grow in these different roles that he has for us. Yeah. Amen. Amen. That's really comforting. Is there any last thoughts you have, Nate, just as we kind of wrap up this conversation towards new dads or just dads who are learning to become a son? If you're a new dad, you know, or in those first, you know, years of, of being a father, you know, I'd encourage you the, the, the first, you know, 10 years or so of your child's life, you know, you are, you know, creating an environment that they feel safe and loved and protected and defended in. Uh, you're guarding them, you're watching over them, you're setting parameters that are helpful to them, you're shepherding, you know, their lives. But then when they get into, you know, the next decade of their lives, uh, the the beautiful thing is that fathers are really crucial in that time. You know, age 10, 11, all the way through, you know, into those college years, dads are, you know, an incredible gift for children. Mm-hmm. And to speak truthfully, to talk to, to them about the hard things in life, the difficult things in life, I just encourage you, like, wherever your kids are at, go for it. And, you know, throw yourself into their lives. You might feel a lack of boldness in doing so, but ask God to give you the boldness because your kids need you. You're the only father that they have. Hey, thanks for joining us today. If you'd like to read some more articles from Pastor Nate, you can always go to nateholdridge.com and browse through all the archives. Everything's there. And if you'd like to have his articles sent to your email on a weekly basis, you can also sign up for that at nateholdridge.com. And while you're online, please share this podcast with a friend. We would greatly appreciate that. And also, stay tuned for another episode next week. But until then, God bless you guys. We'll see you soon.